Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Another episode of the podcast that's sweeping the nation. It's One Man's Opinion. Thank you, thank you, thank you, one and all, for downloading and commenting and sharing and favoriting and liking and all that stuff to this podcast. We do so appreciate it. Yes, we're back on the every week grind here on One Man's Opinion. It's good to be back. It's good to have this as a regular part of the week. There's a lot to get out today, a lot that I want to say. It's never going to fit in an hour. I'm done promising or even considering it's going to fit into an hour. You guys know the drill. I say, oh, yeah, I'll get to it all, and we'll wrap it up. And then I go on and on and on. So uh, thank you, though, for putting up with me and my nonsense. My name is Chef Manta Case. This is the first time you're listening. Thank you uh, for doing so. Uh, you can hear me weekday afternoons, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. I host the Elite Sports Show every weekday. It's also Sirius XM Fantasy Football pregame show during the football season as well. A variety of other programming. Over on the SiriusXM airwaves, I'm also part owner of the Elite Sports Network that encompasses a, a lot of online properties, including FantasyGuru.com. That's the place to be all seasonal fantasy, baseball, football, basketball, all daily fantasy, which includes football, baseball, hockey, basketball, the college sports, basketball and football and MMA and NASCAR and PGA and esports and MMA and soccer and everything. It's all there at fantasyguru.com. Also all betting, our sports betting. I've actually been on quite a heater betting on Major League Baseball. I started out first day of opening day was great. I think it was four and one of my five bets that I posted. And then I went somehow I was like 12 games under 500, like three days later. So I was in misery. Now I'm about seven games over. So, uh, you know, those scoring at home, it's a little 19 game turnaround for your boy. And it now finally figured out this baseball season, just, um, just hit my player prop as as I'm recording this, my Wilson Contreras player probably hits a home run second at bat of the game, and we're already cashing money over at fantasyguru.com. Also, elite sports data that's at fantasyguru.com as well. The elite plus podcast network, all of our discords, it's all there. And by the way, special uh prize a, a brand new some swag we're giving out swag all of our vips those of you over at fantasyguru.com that are vip platinum subscribers that means you get all the sports and the data everything that we do believe it or not it's really not that much more to be a vip platinum member it's very cost effective considering you get every single thing we do including all the data all the podcasts and shows and live streams and discord access to every room we have and every analyst we have and all that stuff. Uh, if you want in, if you are a subscriber and you're like, eh, how much would it cost to get VIP platinum? Just email us support at fantasyguru.com And we will hook you up for sure. As you know, deep discounts for our VIP platinum subs for everybody over at fantasyguru.com draft guide. I got updates. Yeah, draft guide, fantasy football draft guide will be launching on June 1st, baby. We're just a couple weeks away working behind the scenes. Very excited about that. Cannot wait to show you the product we have for fantasy football this year. Um, and this this whole episode is going to encompass sort of our my 
new mentality. It's really our whole companies, let's be honest. Uh, but I will speak for myself. By the way, you find me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans, the Jeff Mans, all one word, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok. So there you go right there. Oh, boy. I, I've got a lot to talk about here today. We're going to get to some fantasy football. I want to talk about if you have been listening to the podcast for the last couple of years, thank you for that, by the way. You know, every year I pick out one team. All right. Well, way before the season starts, I pick out one team that I think, okay, they had an amazing offseason. They are lined up in a very good way to oh, you know, do big things. They are going to be better than people think. They're going to be competitive and challenging and all of that. Two years ago was the Cleveland Browns. If you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's there by the Browns. It's, uh, I forgot at this point what number that was. Uh, oh, it was, uh, look, I have it in front of me. Look at me. Episode 20 of the podcast. Oh, I was just a baby back then. I was just a little pup. And then last year was Chase the Chargers. Another podcast uh, episode that uh, I did, that was episode 72. So, you know, I will do another episode of this podcast devoted to one team that I think is. Now, on this episode, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you the finalists, if you will, the nominees for my most improved team of the year or the team that I think is going to be a dark horse candidate across the national football league. So I'll do that. I got some best ball fantasy football strategies to employ to you as well. As you know, our draft guide over at fantasyguru.com comes with part of the collective. If you will, we have a dedicated best ball fantasy football guide. And that is sponsored by underdog where they are doubling your initial deposit with the promo code elite. So you get double your money and there's, the top three prizes in their best ball mania contest this year, $3 million to the top spot, $2 million to the second place, $1 million to third. Where the hell else are you going to get a million dollars for not even finishing runner up your third and you get a million bucks. You got to be flipping kidding me. That's what we're up against. That's what we're doing. So, we are hardcore onto the best ball fantasy football. We're already in mid-season form here in mid in mid-May. I don't even know what month it is. Um, so check that out. Obviously, Fantasy Guru. Use the promo code Elite at Underdog Fantasy. You download the app, just put in that Elite promo code, and you're good to go. So I've got some best ball strategies. I've got some. I think the theme of today. I've got some other things to get off my chest here as we sit and record this episode. Uh, I will talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. I'll get into that. Tom Brady signing. How Tom Brady? So let's start out there. Tom Brady gets $37.5 million. $37.5 million to sign with Fox Sports to be their lead football analyst. That He's not going to be the play-by-play guy. They're, they will pair him with a, uh, you know, the play-by-play guy, and he's going to be the new Troy Aikman if you will. Okay. It's a great get for Fox. It's a good get, right? Brady will bring a lot to the table. I think Tom Brady, since he's been on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been very engaging and formative. If you've watched man in the arena on ESPN plus, it's a fantastic show. Uh, It's one of the best sports documentary shows that I think I've ever seen. He is charming. He is easy to listen to. I think he's going to do a good job. 
but $37.5 million. So I talked about this briefly on the SiriusXM show, and I'll dive a little bit into it. Nobody is worth that kind of money. And we really, sports in general, have gone so far off the reservation that it's like painful. Because number one, here's something that I, I said it on Sirius XM, and I think it I think it does surprise people when I frame it this way because it's the truth. You know that we are paying Tom Brady thirty seven and a half million dollars, right? You you understand that, all right? Right? I mean, you do get it you, that it's not free money. Like, where does the money come from? Oh, Fox gives it. How does Fox get their money? Fox gets their money by charging us more. That's it. Whenever these companies, and if it was just Tom Brady this one time and it was crazy, I would be like, okay, you know, whatever. We, we could just chalk it up to uh, yeah, greatest of all time and, you know, a, a gimmick that they're going to do for 10 years, yada, yada, yada. But the fact that Tom Brady's going to make 50% more money broadcasting in retirement than he ever made any season. The most money Tom Brady has ever made in an NFL season is $25 million. And that was for, uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers each of the last two years, 2020 and 2021. Now, he's not making that kind of money this year for the Bucs, but 50% of a surcharge. But it's also Joe Buck making $20 million and, and Troy Aikman making $20 million. And it's uh, uh, Al Michaels going to Amazon and making 25 million. And it's Kirk Herbstreit going to Amazon making 15 million. It's how the fuck are these guys worth that kind of money? I'm all for getting paid. I'm in this business. I've been in this business for 12 years. I'm not jealous. I love people getting money. I'm not one of those people. Um, when I was younger, definitely. I thought that when somebody else got paid or when somebody else got a promotion or something good used to happen, that that was somehow negative on me. I, I've learned, I've grown up right over the years. And I realized that it doesn't bother me in the least. I love people getting paid. I like people in my business getting paid, but there comes a limit and there's a, there's a big problem with it. And the problem is how much more can we do? What, what's going to happen is, I'm a longtime NFL Sunday ticket owner. I have direct TV. I've had it for 22 years. And I used to have four TVs in my basement back in Illinois, way before it was fashionable to have multiple TV setups. And I would watch every single game, every single week. And those I couldn't watch live, I would record and watch them later. Now you can get the game film and all that stuff. It's easier to get, but I've done this my whole life, my whole adult life. And I would like to continue doing it. And this year, NFL Sunday tickets still on direct TV. It's the last year, but it, they're going to announce here in a couple of weeks in the middle of June that Apple has purchased the rights to NFL Sunday tickets starting in 2023. And I want you to know how much this is going to cost. The same Major League Baseball just did this with Apple TV too. You understand it's going... Now you have to have Apple TV. You also have to have Amazon Prime. And, you know, I've been an Amazon Prime member forever, uh, mostly because my wife loves, hates paying ship, shipping charges and shit like that. So Amazon Prime. So but our prices from Amazon, Amazon Prime at one point was like twenty five dollars a year. 
it's now, I believe it's going to be like 120, something like it's, it's expensive and it's going up because of the NFL. And what do you, what do you think is going to happen? Whether it's Netflix, whether it is Disney plus Apple TV, ESPN plus you already see it. The U S the UFC people already see it. I don't get, I don't get the UFC uh, pay-per-views very often. I have ESPN plus, but I don't really do that very much. It's 140 a year, by the way, Amazon prime. So it's gone up a lot there as well. The, the call it's, we are the ones paying all this money. My question is why there, there's just, there is a limit. If these guys got $8 million a year to broadcast these games, $10 million, I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a ton of money. Good for them. I'm happy for them. Oh, you know, and I wouldn't think much of it. $37 million for a guy who's never done the job once. Granted, it's Tom Brady, but $37 million, where the hell is this money going to come from? I posted a poll at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. You guys could go there and see it. A little over a thousand votes. And it said, do announcers make an impact, whether you watch an NFL game or not, or which game you tune into? And I asked, you know, some people to ask why. And there's a couple hundred responses there. The vote was no. 81% to 19%. People, NFL fans and viewers do not tune in. 80% of them, 81% do not tune in for the broadcasters. They don't care who's broadcast. You could have uh, a, a chimpanzee. You could have a four-year-old. You could have uh, an old man. You could have a, you know, Linda from accounting. You could have Jeff's stupid faced man. So you could have anybody. And, we are all tuning into those games. NFL games are going to be watched. And what, what's more is that the better games are always going to be watched. We're not going to miss a Monday night game or a Sunday night game. You're not going to miss it. Okay, Thursday night between the Jets and Jaguars and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, maybe you miss one of those, right? Work day, all that good stuff. But why wouldn't you put them a guy like Brady or Buck and Aikman or whoever you be, view as the best broadcaster, put them on the bad games. Why are you putting them on the good games? What an unbelievable gig that is. You're going to give Joe Buck and Troy Aikman credit for having the best game in the NFC. You're going to give Tony Romo and Jim Nance credit for that Bills and Chiefs game on the AFC Divisional uh, Week. You really? What? They get credit. Why do they get credit? They don't get any credit. You're every. I don't think there are 15 viewers in the world that tune out of that game if you have the B, C, D, or E team broadcasting it. It doesn't matter. But yet now we are all going to pay more, 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 more for these rights. Sunday ticket used to be a hundred dollars when I first did it, and I get it. I'm not going to be that old man saying, ooh, my day, gasoline prices. I understand. Things are different. It's 300 and something dollars now from DirecTV, and I pay it happily. Easiest check I write. No problem. But what's it going to be with Apple? And not only that, we're going to have to have Apple TV. We're going to have to have Disney Plus or ESPN Plus. We're going to have to have Amazon Plus. We're going to have to have probably freaking Hulu Plus. We're going to have to have every, like all the top end stuff, probably to piece together all these games. And where my cable bill was expensive, $120 a month, 
what are we, we're going to be paying $250 a month if we want to get all the NFL games now. That's what they're trying to do to us. And the reason they don't have to pay that much money by the way, they don't have to do that. They do it. They pay all this money to the broadcasters and, and bid all this money because they know they're just that we're just going to stumble in the door. We're all idiots. It's it's not good. The, all of all of us that said cutting the cord two three years ago is a smart idea. We're just going to get streaming. No, we're, we are all going to pay through the absolute nose for television and content. The, these it's going. It's costing. It's already. I don't know about your houses, but I have all the streaming services. I believe Discovery Plus, Paramount Plus, all this nonsense. HBO Max, right? I've got all those. And I mean, that's as much as my cable bill a month already. All right. And that's before they start getting live TV and pay broadcasters $37.5 million. Okay. So Peacock Network, they're going to, you know, they're already have USFL games on that. It's just the tip of the iceberg. So it's a great new way to do things. But it's also going to, we're the ones that are going to pay all the freight for it. So that's frustrating me right out of the gate. The other thing that's really frustrating me as I sit down and re- record this podcast is the Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball is infuriating to me. Okay. As you guys know, I record this on a Wednesday afternoon. Today, they had a, you know, all, 30 MLB teams were scheduled to play at least one game. And then we had some rainouts or a COVID out in Chicago, all this, but they had eight late games and seven early games, seven games at 1 PM on a Wednesday on the 11th of May. And I said this on Sirius XM. I'll say it here too. Who the fuck is going to these games? Who are going to the, who, which, what people are going to the games on Thursday, the day you guys are likely listening to this. Some of you. There's only eight total games, four that start at 10 a.m. Eastern time or West Coast time, 1 p.m. Wednesdays and Thursdays, everybody, who can go to these games? And then, okay, forget going because attendance doesn't really affect the bottom line. Who's watching these games? Who's the market? Homeless people and retirees? Is that who Major League Baseball is marketing to? It's insane to me with the timing of games and and when we're going to baseball has no clue what it's doing. No clue. Whereas football is just getting greedy, 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 greedy. At least football has an idea of what they're, they know exactly what they're doing. They know they're going to charge us. They know they got us that we're a captive audience, right? They, they know it in football. Baseball thinks we're captive because 25 years ago, 30 years ago, it was still technically America's pastime. Baseball is not America's pastime. Unless you, you spell it P-A-S-S-E-D, it's well past. It's not even close to the close. It's not remotely near football in terms of popular. And it hasn't been for pro- this entire century, 21st century, since 2000. There's no, it hasn't been close. Not even close. And the NBA is passing and the Major League Baseball by. And NHL is challenging. It's closer to NHL than it is to the NFL. 
And it, it came up in an argument, me and Ray Flowers over at fantasyguru.com. We had this argument about Adley Rushman, the catcher for the Baltimore Orioles. And Ray and I were really dug in on our respective sides. And I respect Ray Flowers' opinion more than just about anybody on in in life because he's a he's not a he doesn't get as fiery as I do. He's very well positioned. He's very thought out in his arguments. And when he makes an argument, it's usually, you know, very, he has his facts and, and everything in place. And it was a good argument. And the thing I think about baseball is why is, why is a 20 near 20, almost 25 years old, Adley Rushman, he's still in the minor leagues because supposedly he has to prove something. Ray's theory was, well, he was hurt to start the year. He could have started the year in the major leagues. I don't think he would have because they need to keep him out because they're trying to lower his salary for another year. Same, same, like <laughs> baseball just got a billion dollars from Apple TV too to, for those stupid Friday games that you can't pause and rewind like idiot, like it idiotic. I could do, I could pause and rewind eight games simultaneously on my, my MLB mix channel on direct TV. I just rewind. I can watch all eight games and rewind. And then yet you watch one dedicated game on Apple, the app, uh, Apple uh, TV and you can't pause it or rewind it. That's ridiculous. But anyway, baseball doesn't want to promote their best players or they don't want to promote their young players. They want their young players to ride a bus, to be in Pawtucket and Toledo and Norfolk and Colorado Springs. That's, that's what they want. They're, they're wasting talent. They're wasting prime years we one thing every at this point in 2022 we know is the physical peak for athlete professional athletes are really between the ages of 24 and let's call it 29 years old 28 years old that's the peak right now some peak early they're good 30 year olds guys stay in shape tom brady's 500 years old okay it's always that one but there's no reason to ride a bus around Wichita, Kansas for a player that could be crushing at the major league level. And by the way, it's not a bad, and if they came up and they didn't do well, well, that's on them. NBA's biggest star, the biggest stars in the NBA, right? I mean, Jason Tatum. Big, you know, biggest. LeBron James is big, but he's he's old. The, the ones the kids like. If you have anybody under the age of 20 years old, of 25 years old, who are the guys they're talking about? They're talking about Zion. Didn't even play. Didn't even play. He's got one of the highest Q ratings in the entire league this year. Cade Cunningham for the Detroit Pistons. Those are exciting guys. Luka Doncic from the Mavericks. They're exciting. You know, Trey Young, John Morant. I mean, fuck. John Morant. Well, it's got to be the most, probably the most exciting player in the NBA right now to watch. Now he just gets hurt, done for the playoffs, but that's the studs. What about the NFL? Who are the guys? I know my audience is very heavy in football, and we thank you for that. Who's Who are the guys? Tom Brady. Bullshit. Bullshit. You've seen everything out of Tom Brady. There's Tom Brady's fascinating for sure, but he's not the one that gets you excited. Josh Allen gets you excited. Justin Herbert, Joe freaking Burrow going to the Super Bowl year two, 24 years old. Are you kidding? That's exciting. 
You know that's the guys that you're excited. Mahomes still does it for you, right? Jonathan Taylor, that gets you excited. Those are the studs. DeAndre Swift maybe this year. I know as a Bears fan, we don't have anything, but Justin Fields gets me a little excited. Justin Jefferson. That's that's exciting. That those are the Debo Samuel, CeeDee Lamb. What do all these guys have in common? They're young, they're new, they're fresh, they're exciting. The NFL brings in new talent every year. Now, what are they going to do this year? You got Jamison Williams out there. You got Chris Olave out there. It's a lot of new talent, skill position talent around the NFL. Everyone's still talking. This is a terrible quarterback class. Yet, Steeler fans, are you excited about Kenny Pickett? I guarantee you are. Sam Howell has got people excited in Washington. Talk about that he doesn't eat meat. Only it's chicken. Okay, big deal. I don't know what Ted is, but it's something. It's exciting. Young talent rules out. You know what? All Every player I just named from the NFL and the NBA, you know what they would have in common if they were baseball players? They'd be riding a freaking bus around Toledo, the Mudheads. Where are we going today? They'd be making jack squat, some of them. Some get major league contracts, so $250 a week other than that. They'd be riding around for what? Hitting home runs and dazzling crowds of 200 people. What? How is that good for your sport? Bring these players up. Let the youngsters play. Put me in charge of base. I would tear the minor leagues down. And I know for some communities and some loyalists, I, I grew up around Kane County, Illinois. Kane County Cougars were an institution. Ted Schuster still has season tickets to Kane County. I don't even think they have a team anymore. It's over. The appetite for this game isn't there. And by the way, if you force the young players go up there and you force them to survive or either shit or get off the pot, if you force that, you know how much more you wouldn't have big fat ass DHs play, you know, sitting around swatting a bat three times a game, going sit back on the bench. You'd have, and you wouldn't have the amount of injuries, the amount of players that constantly soft tissue injuries in game of baseball, where you don't have to do that damn much. Constantly going on the injured list. You make people that are 32 years old that are super duper rich actually play for their jobs, play for their next contract. The competition goes way up. That's what Major League Baseball should be doing. Right? That's what it's supposed to be doing. But that's not what it does. It just refuses to get with the times. Let me tell you a story. I got to tell you a story. This is something um, I heard, man, 20 years ago, something like that. And it's come to my mind recently. My wife and I, by the way, uh, health-wise, doing well. Had a doctor appointment this past week, those that ask. um, Doing well, man. I may be in better shape than I've been in 10 years, to be honest with you. Not, don't, think I'm not, you know, I'm not really working out. I haven't playing basketball. Me and my son are playing some basketball. Um, and I'm going on walks and doing, you know, light stuff. I'm never, I'm not ever going to be the physical specimen. I was when I was 25. I used to be a good athlete. I'm not, that's just not who I am. I'm not going to pretend I'm not going to be one of those 45 year old guys. Who's going to get fake muscles. You know, the muscles that are got flab around them. I actually have that already. Do you ever see me with my shirt off? You see, like, there, you see the, I have good abs. It's just like, they're very jelly now. But anyway, 
Um, anyway, so I'm doing well and we're going on walks and the wife and I were talking and I forget what it was that we were talking about. I, I forgot it was, you know, I don't want, it wasn't politics because we don't, we don't give a shit about politics. We just don't No, Nobody ever tells me what to do. Sorry. Just not going to happen. I'm never going to, but it is, we were talking about like life and I think I like our kids or something like that. And I just started, I was like, yeah, it's like the five monkeys. And she's like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? We're talking about monkey, five monkeys. So the five monkey experiment. So I don't know what that is. I'm like, really? So of course I tell the story as we're walking and I like, probably got about 60% right. So I'm like, what? So then of course, yeah, I had to go back and relearn it real quick. But the five, for those who don't know, the five monkey experiment is a, it's a fictional thing, but you know, there's controversy or whether it happened or not, but that's not the point that none of that is important. What's important is the, the baseline in which it's, it's told. It's about a group of scientists getting together, placing five monkeys in a cage Right. And in the middle, there's a ladder with a bushel of bananas on there. All right. Every time a monkey went up the ladder, the scientists would soak the monkeys with cold water. Monkeys didn't like that, obviously hated it. So every time after a while of getting soaked with the, uh, the water, every time a monkey went up the ladder, the others would beat up on that monkey, whichever one went up the ladder to get the bananas and they, you know, to refrain him from doing it. So they wouldn't get sprayed with the water. Okay, so after a while of doing this, no monkey would ever go up the ladder. They learned, okay, we're not going to go up the ladders, despite how delicious those bananas are. Which, by the way, bananas are delicious. I love bananas. Damn, bananas and apples, yo. Uh, (laughs) When I was after surgery, digestion wasn't good, and I had to eat soft foods, man. I fell back in love with apples and bananas, baby. I just, I really did. Some nice easy things um anyway so as i'm drooling over a freaking banana right now so uh no matter what the monkeys wouldn't go up the ladder anymore eventually the scientists said they'd take one of the monkeys out and put a new monkey in right into the cage so four existing monkeys in one. and the first thing obviously the monkey the new monkey would do is go up that ladder of bananas i'm going up there man and immediately the monkeys would beat the shit out of them all right so after a couple of beatings of going up the ladder, the new monkey realized, okay, I'm not going up that ladder. You know, he, he, he's like, I'm not going up that ladder. He doesn't know why he's not going up the ladder, but the other monkeys would beat the shit out of him. So then eventually they replaced a second monkey, took one of the existing out, put a new one in, and that monkey would go up into the, um, to the top immediately. And what they noticed was the first monkey, the first replacement monkey would beat the shit out of that second replacement monkey too, as the others did as well. So, and then, so basically the third, they replaced the third, eventually a fourth and a fifth and they replaced, eventually they replaced, they have five replacement monkeys in that cage, right? All with bananas on top, but none would go up there. Why? Because they get, they, identified going up that ladder meant getting the shit beat out of you by the rest of the monkeys. The part that I'm not telling you, the part that is the lesson here is that none of those replacement monkeys got sprayed with the water. Nothing happened to those monkeys. They did. They 
don't know why they were beating the shit out of each other for somebody going up there. Right. But they did it because that's just how it's always been done. That's just how life is. But if they would have thought about it, there's no repercussions. Nobody's getting sprayed with water. They got all went up and all had the bananas. But you're, they weren't trained that way. They were, they were taught something different. What, what this lesson says to me, and hopefully to most, if not all of you, is that we need to question the way things have been done. We know it in our souls. We know things. And yeah, I'm not good. this is not supposed to be like a racism or sexism or any of that kind of stuff. But I think there's lessons within there too. You know, the abortion shit that's going on. I, I'm not involved in any of that stuff. I don't even have an opinion. I generally don't. I don't even know. I'm just not informed and I, cause I perp, I don't want to be make the best decisions for your situation and then live with the consequence. If you're able to do that, do what you got to do. Don't hurt other people. That's what I say. But, um, and you may believe, I don't know. I don't really, I, I approve everybody's beliefs. I really do. The problem is we were taught something and we're told something and we're told something from our forefathers and our previous generation, the people that never, people that made, maybe they went through it, maybe in the 1800s or early 1900s or 1960s or whenever. And then we are just trained that that's the way we're supposed to think. And this is what we're supposed to do. But it's like the monkeys, the, there's no reason for us to have to do that. And I think that is important. As we live in an age, we have, there's never been a more different universe. Well, since the freaking industrial times or, or technology, we, we're so connected. I can broadcast this to you. This freaking show is going to be uploaded to servers in the sky and clouds, and you're going to be able to hear it within an hour. Right. And yeah, it, it's, we're all, we have social media, we're connected. And we know everything, cameras everywhere, HD replays of everything. Yet we're still playing sports like they, we were in the 1880s. That's specifically baseball. The unwritten rules. Oh, I don't like that you threw it this guy. Why don't, why does it matter if you got hit with a pitch? What the fuck does it matter to you? Well, because in 1979, Oh, this guy got hit with a pitch. I went back and hit him with a pitch. And then he hit me with a pitch. He hit somebody else. And he, I hit somebody else. Like, oh, my God. But none of this is that we're, we're grown up. We're more refined. We're smarter. We're supposed to be. By the way, our forefathers wouldn't begrudge us this. They'd be happy. Some of them, you know, only the fucking idiots would probably say, we're supposed to do things the same way forever. No, you're not. You're supposed to grow up. You're supposed to evolve. You're supposed to be better than your parents and your grandparents. Don't be like them. And that's not knocking any of them. I love my mom and dad. Go listen to the episodes of the podcast. I love my parents. But in the 2022 culture, they would be so fucking outdated. It would be mind boggling. I would have to chain them to their easy chair in order to get them not to tweet some bullshit or something dumb from their 1940s upbringing, right? So that's the lesson of the five monkey experiment. And hopefully, and, and Major League Baseball, like why aren't you promoting Adley Rushman? Why are you not promoting 
the best players. Wander Franco had to wait in the minor leagues forever, came up and instantly made a massive impact at Tampa Bay Rays last year. Why was he ever in the minors? Why? Didn't make it doesn't make any sense. He never should have been. No, you know, this this fake bullshit, or oh, you need to spend our time and try. No, no, competition will eat him up. If he doesn't put his best foot forward, if he if Adley Rushman or any young player, we how many NBA players, NFL players, we see 32 NFL players just get drafted the first round. Yet only 25% of them, maybe 30, if they're lucky, will will make something of their career. And some of them will just be journeymen. None of them, like two of them will become stars if that. That's competition. If they're not going to put in the effort, if they're not going to do things the right way, if they're not going to learn their craft, then they're going to be shit out of the league. The league is a digestive system and Adley Rushman or whoever else will be squatted out and shit out of their anus of the league. That's how it will work. And that's their problem. They don't have to learn. There's no magic that happens in the minor leagues. It's all bullshit just because that's the way it was done. And by the way, the way it was done before is because attendance mattered and that's how teams made their money. And so why not have more teams in different ballparks and in different areas? So that's how they used to pad their coffers. Now they don't make shit for the minor leagues. That's why they don't care about them. And that goes into fantasy football too. The five monkey experiment goes into fantasy football this year. Cause I'm telling you, where I'm at going into 2022 is unlike I see anywhere else. And I'm mind boggled by it. I'm stunned by it. What I'm stunned by is that everybody is going to do the things the same. You're going to draft the same way this year than you drafted last year. You know what I mean? That, that's crazy to me. That is absolutely crazy to me. You're still going to the running back in the first round is still a thing in this day and age. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. I just don't understand it. And we did a serious XM post-draft draft. Talked about that last week on the show. And I talked about this first round running back. I saw another thing. Um, I've been doing the underdog drafts, promo code elite, by the way. Um, I kind of want that 3 million bucks. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm in like, uh, you know, I'm not into a lot of the industry leagues and things. And, you know, I like my Scott Fishbowl league. I like my pros versus shows FFPC. I, li- I like my things, but yeah, uh, there's some that are just you know, silly. $3 million. ain't no joke. I'll come in third, take that million dollars. No problem. So, even in an underdog, people are just forcing pure shit, pure shit into their into that first round. Running backs. I saw a draft the other day. Um, I, I think this, yeah, it was one of my. I think it was one of my best ball drafts, my underdog drafts. If not, it was, it was an industry draft. I think somewhere it was definitely had something to do with the industry. But I saw you know Taylor's first, and then. Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, McCaffrey, Najee Harris, like five picks in a row running backs. I'm like, okay, all right. I saw Travis Kelsey in the first. I said, oh, come the fuck out. Come on. I, Kelsey in the first last year made some sense, but I, I got a lot of grief on Kelsey last year, by the way. 
I proved to be right, even though he wasn't the number one tight end. I think over time, I proved out to be right, but not without hiccups. He's just not a first-round guy this year. Very valuable. He's a second-round guy. But how do you justify him over Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase? I just can't do that. Dalvin Cook was also in that mix. Nick Chubb and Zeke Elliott. What? What? I'm not a Zeke hater, and I think Nick Chubb's the best pure running back in the league. But why are you forced? Why are 10 running backs going in the first round? And the only other guy is Cooper Cup and Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, Cooper Cup should go. Cooper Cup could be the first overall pick, and it would be justifiable, even though he's not going to do what he did last year. Allen Robinson, but he's the number one guy for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford made Calvin Johnson a Hall of Famer. He's he's made many wide receivers. He's his number one guy is a always a premium asset. I made that mistake last year. I sure as shit ain't gonna make it again. But how do you keep Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Debo Samuel out? How? I see Tyreek Hill and Debo Samuel. Uh, going, I see Mike Evans in the fourth round, Keenan Allen too. You guys are out of your fucking minds. All, what do you get? You're getting Cam Akers and David Montgomery and Leonard Fournette and Antonio Gibson. Oh, those are so bad. The reason you're doing that is the five monkey experiment, man. You're doing that because you think you have some sort of need for a running back early. You don't need that. You don't. Let me tell you the wide receiver position. Cup, Jefferson, Chase, Adams, Debo. See where he goes. Tyree Kill. Mike Evans, Keaton Allen, CeeDee Lamb, Stefan Diggs. Those 10 are money. They're money in the bank. Now, if you want to argue about Hill on a new spot, and C.D. Lamb, maybe without Amari Cooper. There's there's arguments on a couple of those. Okay? And the order in which you put them is up to you, too. But we, everybody, should agree. They are locked down. They didn't trade, by the way, that 15 draft picks and commit $30 million a year for Tyree Kill not to use him. Mike McDaniels is going to get him the ball maybe 12 times a game. Like, he's... Will Tyree Kill break down? Very possibly. If you're going to make the Tyree Kill will get injured argument now that he has his money, I'm okay with that argument. The argument that he's not going to produce because he doesn't have Mahomes doesn't work, not because Mahomes isn't light years above to a Tagliavoa. Of course he is, but they're going to force the ball to him. Bubble screens, bubble screens, bubble screens, end of rounds, handoffs. You know, quick hitters over the middle, those those long uh, crossing routes that they love to do in Shanahan's system, McDaniels has done the last few years in San Francisco, all that stuff. It's all going to be Tyreek Hill. But okay, if you want to exclude, I get it. You know, we have our preferences. But after that, at the at the wide receiver position, are you sure about AJ Brown in Philly? They don't throw the ball a lot, and you got Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard. Michael Pittman and Indy seems good. Question marks. Terry McLaurin, Washington seems good. Question marks. DJ Moore, Carolina, who the fuck's the quarterback? Mari Cooper in Cleveland. Who's the quarterback? And they don't throw that much. 
Cortland Sutton in Denver, T. Higgins, D.K. Metcalf, Jerry Judy, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson, Michael Thomas, Amon Ross St. Brown, Claypool, Allen Robinson in L.A., Godwin, who's hurt, Waddle, who has Tyreek now. Who? That's the next group. That's the entire next group of receivers. Do you see what I'm telling you? That group, you do not want that group to be your wide receiver one. You do not want to. Will one or more of them break out? Yes. Will a lot of them fail or fall short of expectations? Absolutely. There's too many questions there. I have no problem making a Cortland Sutton, DK Metcalf, uh, T. Higgins. Hell, I love my corn to death. Any of those guys is my wide receiver too. I could live with that. I could live with that. Uh, that I like. But if that's when I have a steady guy like Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, Debo, Chase, Adams, of course. Meanwhile, at the running back position, you get the first couple guys like Taylor, Harris, Mixon, Eckler, McCaffrey. I'm, you know, there, there's not much questions that they'll produce. It's more of a health issue. But after that, every single person, Javante Williams, you know I love him, but he's got tons of question marks. Melvin Gordon, usage, new offense. Derrick Henry, no offensive line. Jones fracture in his foot. Offense was shit. No A.J. Brown this year. Aaron Jones, I love in Green Bay. People don't seem to like him, but no Devontae Adams. We'll split with A.J. Dillon a bit. DeAndre Swift in Detroit splits with Jamal Adams, but another evolving offense. Dalvin Cook doesn't have that zone blocking scheme of Rick Dennison anymore in Minnesota, which made him a star. Alvin Kamara regressed tremendously last year in, in new Orleans. Plus no Sean Payton anymore in that offense, much more conservative under Dennis Allen, Pete Carmichael. Carmichael never called plays. He will this year. Never call plays. That was always Sean Payton, by the way. Saquon. We know there's questions there. Nick Chubb splits with Kareem hunt. And they bring in another running back just in case Hunt gets hurt this time. So even you can't even hope for a cream Hunt injury for Nick Chubb. He's still going to split as Dearness Johnson showed us last year. Fournette, you're going to trust Fournette. In good spot, but is it that big of a difference between Fournette and Aaron Jones or Fournette and Josh Jacobs or Fournette and James Cotter or Fournette and Elijah Mitchell or Fournette? And no. And all the guys I'm naming here, will be the guy while everybody else is trying to get that, those, that scrap heap. No, it's not scrap heap, but the second or second or third tier of wide receiver, you're still, you're, you're going to end up with Saquon or Barkley or Saquon or Josh Jacobs or Zeke acres, Elijah Mitchell, Montgomery. Okay. Okay. No problem. You're not losing that much. The, The gap there isn't very much so get away from this five monkey experiment start thinking nobody's spraying you with water for drafting a wide receiver early nobody's gonna do that also nobody's the waiting on quarterback that's done okay it's done if 32 quarter every 32 quarterbacks all right not that many let's see on my list I will go 26 quarterbacks and that's excluding Mac Jones and Zach Wills. All right. That's excluding. I I go 26 quarterbacks that I feel are very viable fantasy 
producers. Not all created equal. Mariota is in. Fields is in, but barely, you know. These guys could excel. They run the football a lot. You'll get points out of that. Jared Goff is surrounded by talent. Wentz is in a good situation with uh, Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin now. Trevor Lawrence ready to take a next step. Matt Ryan in a tremendous situation. I mean, there's just so many quarterbacks in good spots. But because there's so many that the fall off isn't that great. So what we have been doing at quarterback over the last decade is waiting on quarterback. Ah, you can get anybody. It doesn't matter who you get. It's everybody's fine. Well, that's theoretically true. One thing that's been happening in the last few years at quarterback position, and that's that the creme de la creme, right? Well, the majority of quarterbacks are 17.5 to about 19.5 points per week. Right. Well, that range, well, that range is solid and full of probably, you know, 11 to 12 quarterbacks. The, those that are getting 23, 24 plus. Again, that's, you know, you're, you're talking about up to seven points per game more than that median quarterback. That's a hundred points over the course of the season. So, what I'm telling you is the premium quarterback is back. Having a Josh Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, last year at least, fantastic. Jalen Hurts gave you an edge. Aaron Rodgers gave the year before it was it was who? Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen again, Kyler was over, Mahomes was 25 a game, Watson was 24 a game. Right, that that premium level, and it, it goes back the year before that. Who was the studs then? It was Lamar Jackson, ran away with the world, averaged almost twenty eight points a game. You still had Dak and Watson and Mahomes, all with twenty two points a game or more. Meanwhile, everybody else you know, in that level down every year. So what I'm telling you is, most leagues you're not going to have to draft. You're not going to draft a quarterback in the second or third round. When you start getting to the fourth and fifth, depending on your format, I love industry leagues this year because in the fantasy sports industry, everybody waits till about round nine, believe it or not, to draft a quarterback. So I don't have to take my premium. I can get, probably won't get Allen or Mahomes, but I'll get my Justin Herbert round six and I'll, I'll just be thrilled with that, right? Find that sweet spot of your league. But having identified the players that you think are going to be a premium, all right, that are going to be better than the next Stafford, Mahomes, always, you know, Allen, of course. But Jalen Hurts, if you love him, AJ Brown, go get him. Joe Burrow taking the next step, go get him. I don't trust Kyler, but if that's your guy, go get him. Get that premium 24, 25 point per game QB and get him early. Don't be afraid of paying the price for him, right? Because everybody's going to have a quarterback they're going to be fine with. And while that may be well and good, there is a lot that the running back position is significantly worse than it's ever been because there's so many split carry guys and role players 
that if you're you're going to fill out your roster with two or three role players as opposed to and you're going to have to guess every single week and who you use in game make sure you have the right game flow instead you just have a guy that will score you 26 27 points a week and that you'll still get a role player at that position at the at the running back position just get a, a round or two later again don't go to the top of the ladder or no don't be afraid to go to the top of the ladder nothing's going to happen you know the right thing. You know the best players. You guys know this shit. That's the thing that bothers me the most, I think, is that I know that all of us know it. I, I piss myself off. I make those. My most common mistake is when I know it. I know it, but I'm like, and I get scared or timid to pull the trigger. It happens to me in fantasy sports and betting. Majority of my mistakes are like that. I know better. Very rarely am I just like blown away. Like, oh, my God, I can't. I made the mistake in Cooper Cup. I was in on Robert Woods. Why did I think that? I don't. I was wrong. And I, I know that I was wrong. Pissed me off. But I'm not going to make the mistake again, nor should you. So be better. Be better than our predecessors, man. Please. Um, let's continue the NFL talk. I want to talk about off-season acquisitions and you know every year i do the whole, my team of the year if you will that i'm excited most excited about and i want to give you the nominees here today because I, I truthfully don't know who this the team's going to be i am leaning in certain directions but i know the group that i like there, this has been a wild off-season and it's required more work that's why we're getting started on fantasy football a lot earlier this year because, dude, 10 new head coaches, 16 new offense coordinators, 14 new defense coordinators. The free agency period is unlike anything we've ever seen as far as t- players, major, huge marquee players changing teams, right? And then they go into new offenses. And then you get the NFL draft on top of that. Oh, my gosh. It's wild. So, with that, here are some teams that I think have improved the most. If you listen to my NFL team previews on SiriusXM Elite Sports, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, you know, uh, I said the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like, this was a team that was kind of fashionable to like last year and that we thought was going to take a step. But as I've said for the last 17, 18 years, coaching matters in the National Football League. And Urban Meyer wasn't a coach. He was a, I don't even, he's a bully, if anything. Right? Just a guy that didn't coach, didn't teach, did nothing. I don't think Doug Peterson's that good at all, but he's a professional. When you have, they've had a top 10 pick for 13 the last 14 years in Jacksonville, including the number one overall pick two years in a row. Got one of the best QB prospects we've ever seen in Trevor Lawrence. He spent a billion dollars to get Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. And they already have the veteran Marvin Jones. And they have uh, LaVisca Chenault still and Jamal Agnew, who's a speedster. They go get Evan Ingram. They traded for Dan Arnold last year at the tight end spot. They bought, they brought back Cam Robinson. They're all pro left tackle. They bring in right guard Brandon Sheriff this offseason, one of the best run blockers, one of the best interior linemen in the league. They draft Luke Fortner uh, at 
likely to play center for them from Kentucky, improving that offense line. I, it's a team that could really offensively, especially take a huge step forward this year. A lot of it has to do with Trevor Lawrence, but I'll believe in it. I thought he was the best prospect. I'm not going to abandon him. Same like Justin Fields, even though the Jaguars have given Lawrence a ton more help than the Chicago bears have done to Justin Fields. Then, you know, by the way, the Jaguars also go out and get Trayvon Walker, number one, overall pick Devin Lloyd, great best interior line linebacker in this league, Chad Muma, another um, sort of interior linebacker. Uh, it can play inside or outside. That goes with Josh Allen, a great edge rusher that they already had in place. Their secondary sucks. No question about that. Didn't do much to improve that, but they've got players. They've got professional coaches. Mike Caldwell on the defensive side. This is a team that could turn around. Not, They're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. But don't forget, they also play in a division where the Colts have lost a lot of games uh, that they shouldn't have. Now, Matt Ryan hopefully will secure that for Colts fans, but Tennessee's regressing and Houston's terrible. Plus, the Jaguars play a last-play schedule. So they could turn around. Detroit Lions in the NFC, they can turn around. I've talked about their offense. When I'm looking at a team, if you've noticed a little trend with your boy the last two years, what do the Cleveland Browns and L.A. Chargers have in common? Okay. What do they have in common the last two years? Well, what they have in common is they both have or, or had or improved their offensive line dramatically and defensive line. And the, the great teams are built from the line of scrimmage out. The skill position players, receivers, running backs, all that, so even corners and safety, it's all a byproduct of being strong in the trenches. And Detroit has built this thing nice way. Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell, the, the tackles. Vitae and Rag now in the interior. Fantastic. They get DJ Chark. I love DJ Chark. I'm on Rossi Brown was a stud last six games of the season last year. A breakout wide receiver. The draft, Jamison Williams, a deep threat in the, fir- in the first round of the draft. TJ Hawkins was out for those six games. You've never, we haven't seen... Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson on the field together. So you build that, and then you get Aiden Hutchinson. Many believe, including myself, the best, highest ceiling player in the entire draft. Put him as an edge rusher right out the bat. You get first rounder from two years ago, Jeff Akuda back from injury. Kirby Joseph in the third round, another defensive back, a sheriff there in the defensive backfield. This is a forming into a pretty formidable defense too. And that's what Aaron Glenn developer of defensive backs and Dan Campbell, a very strong in the trenches guy believe in and Detroit plays a shitty division or teams have regressed. So I think they're going to surprise some people. Um, other teams moving up. I, Miami Dolphins. I saw the two of throw. It was a shitty throw. He's not a deep ball guy. He doesn't have the arm. I've said it forever. And it has nothing to do with injury. College is not the pros. What you think, what you see in college doesn't work in the pros. It just doesn't. Tua's game in college was never going to work at the pro level. But 
in the right system with an innovator like Mike McDaniel, Frank Smith, offensive coordinator, with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and Cedric Wilson. Don't forget they went out and got him and Trent Sherfield, another downfield threat. They loaded up at this receiver position, by the way. You know, they loaded the frick up. And they go out and get they re-sign Mike Gasecki, huge. Get three running backs now in Chase Edmonds, who they paid a lot of money for, Raheem Mostert, and they just got Sonny Michelle. They have Miles Gaskin. Miles Gaskin's not going to make this team anymore. This offense is loaded up. It really is. Oh, and they get Teron Armstead, all pro, and Connor Williams. Shit. They drafted Eichenberg last year. He's going to play on the right side. Got Robert Hunt, a second rounder from a couple years ago. Very good on the interior. They have a first rounder from uh, three, four years ago, Austin Jackson, who hasn't really worked out, but can play multiple positions and now won't be starting as a replacement and a guy who could develop as well. They all of a sudden have a lot of depth on the offensive line. This is a really fucking good team, a really good team in Miami. And let's not forget Look, I do not like what happened to Brian Flores. I've been vocal about it. I've been outspoken about it. That's for the courts now to decide. For me, Mike McDaniel's a hell of a head coach. I like that hire for Miami. Right? I like it. And don't forget that what they did defensively, especially with that after going, whatever, were they one and seven after eight weeks of the season? And then they went on that you know, ridiculous seven game winning streak and eight out of nine. And um, they're third best defense in national football league during that stretch. All right. So overall 15th in yards, 16th in points, eighth most turnovers though. This is a great defense too in Miami really is for my money. I think the best secondary in there and Byron Jones and Javon holiday and Brandon Jones and safeties, saving Howard, of course, Iguanbuica, uh, Iguanabe, I forget his name, but I love him. He's a backup corner, but size. It's his third year in the league. Nice little, nice player to have as your, really your fourth corner because he's not going to play. He's not really an inside cover guy. He's an outside guy. Nick Needham is the, uh, likely will cover the slot. So, I mean, it's great defense, man. Real good defense in Miami. So Miami is one of those teams that is definitely on my list. I think the Chargers are obvious. I'm not going to do the Chargers in my – I mean, but to get that defense, to have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, like, get the fuck out of here. Like, get the fuck out. Like, this team is so stacked. And not only that, they bring it – they draft Zion Johnson in the first round. It was a major problem for them on that right side of the offensive line, mostly because Balaga didn't work out last year. They still – I don't like Storm Norton, the right tackle, but the rest offense line, Slater, Filer, Lindsley, and Zion Johnson now, the first rounder. Love that. Resign Mike Williams. Gerald Everett, they still have patchwork tight end, but Isaiah Spiller is such a money pick in the fourth round. Great pick for them. And then, yeah, the defense is just loaded. Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. My God, is that good. I mean, then you got Asante Samuel, JC Jackson, another huge free agent acquisition. 
Derwin James, Michael Davis in the inside, Bryce Callahan, who I think was one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league a couple of years ago before injuries derailed him. But the Broncos, he got signed here. Man, Chargers are just good. They're not going to be a surprise. They shouldn't. Denver, if that surprised you, obviously getting Russell Wilson, the, the straw that stirs that drink, is absolutely fantastic. Like Washington, people are sleeping on the Washington Commanders. Getting a quarterback like Wentz, Jahan Dotson. The thing about Washington is they are going to get Chase Young back. Also get uh, Fedarian Mathis, a huge defensive tackle, just to firm up this defensive line. It's the best in football. So I think the commanders are going to surprise people. And then my final team, New York football giants. Could go either way on the Giants. I like Brian DeBall. I love Don Martindale, their defensive coordinator. DeBall is going to be the offensive mind. Mike Kafka is more of a placeholder, former quarterback. But what he did in Buffalo, developing that offense, and specifically Josh Allen, I think you can do that with Daniel Jones. Not to that level, but Daniel Jones a lot smarter than Josh Allen was. Doesn't quite have the physical tools, but still is – a poor man, Josh Allen. He's still big. He's still strong, huge arm, and can run. So I think you do think Saquon Barkley is an absolute stud when healthy. Getting Evan Neal, put him on the right side. Andrew Thomas, the first rounder a couple of years ago on the left. Glowinski on the to play the right guard spot. You improve that offensive line. You also get Kayvon Thibodeau on defense to go with Justin Ellison, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence, who I absolutely love. And you another. Dexter Lawrence is sort of the modern Trayvon Walker can play inside, can play outside, but the defense has been okay for New York. And you're going to get a lot more aggressive with Wink Martindale out there. So I think the giants are another team you need to be aware of and uh, can surprise a lot of people here in 2022. Now with those being the candidates for the surprise team of the year on the upside, there's also some teams that are going to stink and are going to move down. That's the most important thing. When doing analysis, when doing your research, remember, it's such an important thing. You can't have one team winning more without somebody else on the other side winning less. It has to happen. At this time of year, we're all optimists. We all believe in our teams and players, and we like, we like moves. But eventually, when it comes to one of the benefits I've always had is doing my projections, doing my rankings over at fantasyguru.com, because you start realizing, okay, I love this move, but I don't love it that much. Right? I, I love, I like everything Miami did. I just talked about it. I think Tua is positioned extraordinarily well to for fantasy success. And thinking about it in my head, I'm like, oh, I, I could see him as a top 10 fantasy quarterback. But then you have to put it on paper. Or you have to you have to run the sims. You have to run the projections. And is there any way you could reasonably put him ahead of Deshaun Watson? Only if you say, well, Alton will play every game. If you do that, and you could say that about a lot of the people, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr. There's no way you could put Tua ahead of those guys. 
There's just not really. So now that's the frame in which you're working. So with the good teams, there's bad. Uh, teams that are moving down, I think the Patriots are moving down. You know, I believe in Bill Belichick. He's the greatest football coach that's ever lived. Okay, I like the Devontae Parker get. I like Cole Strange. I don't mind that. I had him highly graded. It was an aggressive first rounder. But I, I think the, the problem with the Patriots is one of ego and it's one of age. He, Belichick is Bill Belichick is what I don't want any of you to become. It'll happen probably to all of us eventually where we just won't, we will outright refuse to see the truth. We will outright refuse to see reality, the new reality in which we live. It's what happens with politics and it's what happens with sports fandom. It happens in our own families. We just refuse. And right now the Patriots do not have an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, just don't have anybody. Saw the Nelson Aguilar comments the other day where he said, yeah, we, who's your position coach? I don't know. Who's your offensive coordinator? I don't know. Who's this? I don't know. Bill Belichick is everything. You can't, he's 70 years old. He can't be doing everything. There's no way Bill Belichick's never called offensive plays in his life. I'm not saying he can't do that, but he could call defensive plays too. Most likely going to be his son, Steve, who I've told you that's the heir apparent there, but it, he just, Josh McDaniels is gone. This is going to be a team that's going backward. I think the Dolphins leap ahead of the Patriots in that division. I think the Jets have a good chance. The Patriots may finish last in the AFC East. It's crazy to say, but that's what happens when you don't get a ton better and you just you bring in guys like Devontae Parker and Kendrick Bourne and you know those are your big acquisitions. That's just not going to do it. Patriots are moving back. Tennessee Titans, oh my God. They may go from number one seed to one of the four worst teams in the AFC. I just don't, it's all built on that, that defense is never that good. Never. Elijah Molden, Buster Screen. Those are your corners. Caleb Farley. Roger McCreary, I think, was an overpick even in the second round. Offensive line's gone. It's they got Taylor Lewan, and that's it. That is all they have. Derrick Henry. They are depending massively on Derrick Henry. They're depending massively on Ryan Tannehill, who has never been asked. And by the way, Ryan Tannehill with who? Traylon Burks or Robert Woods, who's not healthy? Shit. This is a team that's in a lot of trouble in Tennessee. They're going to regress no matter what. Dallas Cowboys, just don't see it. Had a good year last year, but I mentioned Washington, the Giants, the Philadelphia, all three of those teams in that division got better. And the Cowboys lose offensive linemen, They've been losing, 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 and they only have two-fifths of their offensive line from their heyday. And Tyron Smith has back injuries, and Zach Martin's had lower leg issues each of the last three years. Tyler Smith, if he works out, great, but I, I one of the worst first-round picks I've ever seen. They lose Amari Cooper. Michael Gallup is hurt. I mean, this is a, this is a real big problem in Dallas. So they regress. Arizona Cardinals too. They're going to regress. I don't know what's going to happen with Kyler Murray. And I'm sure the Cardinals will get off to a great six and two start, start the season. And then they'll go two and six the rest of the way. 
but they are regressing this year as well. So there you go. Some surprise teams, some teams regressing in the NFL. Tell me what you think at Jeff underscore man's on the old Twitter machine, the Jeff man's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and on TikTok, folks, that's going to do it. We're told you over an hour already, man, hour and 15 minutes. It's the way we roll here on one man's opinion. Always something to talk about. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast on the show. If there's topics you want me to hit teams and players, baseball, football, basketball, folks, I'm here for you. Hit me up at Jeff underscore man's love doing this podcast. Again, tell a friend our numbers went down from the, uh, while I was out for three, four weeks, remind people, tell spread the word, you know, free. I want to keep it free. I want to make sure that everybody is getting in on the podcast and uh, remember to hit up fantasyguru.com. Join us. Uh, just lower the prices for the daily fantasy baseball season, betting season, rest of major league baseball. I'm on a burner right now. Chris Rose is red hot daily. Make sure you get in that all array flowers content over there as well. Draft guide going live here in a couple weeks. Great time to become VIP platinum. If you're interested, hit us up in support, support at fantasyguru.com right there for you. Remember underdog fantasy, one of our lovely sponsors, use the promo code elite. They're going to double your deposit. If you use that promo code elite E L I T E on underdog fantasy, download the app, go out and get it. Remember fantasy guru has an app too. You get the app right there. Boom, boom, boom. So it's all right there for you. It's totally free. Uh, obviously got to be a member if you are accessing the information, but the app is free. So you can read us on the toilet. That's going to do it for episode 110. We're in the books, everybody. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for commenting, favoriting, uh, shitting all over the podcast, whatever it is. Uh, I do so appreciate it. You may disagree with some or all that you heard on today's program, folks, you know, it's perfectly all right to do so. Why? Cause this was just one man's opinion. See you next time, everybody. Deuces!